0: She lives and works in the New York Tri-State. Shabalala builds a singular style from the syncretic use of both painting and printmaking to explore ideas about the black body. She constructs depictions of predominantly female bodies using a combination of sewn, printed, and painted materials traversing different artistic and craft traditions. The formal and conceptual aspects of her work seek to expand her critical inquiry into selfhood and human flourishing. Recent solo exhibitions and performances include The Consortium in Dijon, France in 2022, Performa 2021 Biennial in New York City, The Baltimore Museum of Art in 2021, ICA Boston 2020, and at the Hammer Museum and Fry Art Museum in 2019. Her work can also be found in several permanent collections both nationally and internationally. The Art Institute of Chicago, Brooklyn Museum, ICA Boston, J. P. Morgan Chase Art Collection, the Lubin Art Foundation in Lithuania, Luma Foundation in Zurich, the Perez Art Museum of Miami, the Rebell Family Collection, Studio Museum in Harlem, and Yus Museum, Shanghai. She has been featured in several publications. Enjoy this episode featuring Shabalala Self. Shabalala, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm uh, delighted to feature you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let's start with you sharing with us. When did you discover your artistic passion?
1: Well, I've always made artwork. I would say, you know, even as a child, I really enjoyed painting, drawing, doing various creative things, I guess, in lieu of playtime, so... So, this is something that's just kept developing since a very, very young age. And I would say that in middle school and high school, I started taking more classes for art, extracurricular classes outside of my um like schoolwork. So I spent a lot of time going to Harlem School of the Arts after school or the art carnival in Harlem. And I got a lot of like positive encouragement and reinforcement from both those institutions. And at some point it seemed like there was a possibility that I, that I could pursue it as a career or something other than a hobby. So when I went to college, or when I was getting ready to apply to college, I wanted to go to a school that had a good arts program. So actually my, um, my best friend, she suggested I go to like, the info session at my high school for Bard, and I had never heard of the school prior to that. And I ended up applying Um, I ended up going and then there was where I think finally made the decision to really commit to art, to the arts and try to see if I could, you know, make it as a painter.
0: Was there particular artists or work that influenced you?
1: Yeah. I mean, as a child, my parents, in particular my mom, they she decorate the home quite a lot with artwork. Some things that she would find when she went traveling, some like, you know, vernacular like Black American art as well quite a lot of that. I would say our home had like a pretty typical, like 90s, like, you know, Black American aesthetic. like some African masks, some like domestic scene, you know, poster art, some, you know, Dutch wax, pillows, that kind of vibe. Um, I think people who know, know the aesthetic, but um, (laughs) yeah, so I feel like that the home was decorated in such a way that would pique the interest of someone who was like a young creative and then um all the decoration had a concept it was you know very Afrocentric, like pro-black so even the conceptual aspect of the aesthetic i think shaped a lot of the ways i think about like art i think it's all all in all it was a pretty creative household Um, my dad's a writer and i'm the youngest of five children And all of my siblings are pretty creative and or intellectual, I would say. I only have one sibling who never did any kind of art, but she's an anthropologist. So I think in some ways that social practice can be seen as um, a creative outlet. And how
0: would you define your practice?
1: My practice? I mean, it's evolved at different points. I would say at this time, it's really about like world building it's also about narrative in a way that it wasn't before. At this point, I'm more committed to narrative. But all in all, I think my work is about just refashioning you know, everyday life. So taking objects of the world and rearranging and representing them, taking concepts that exist out in the world, deconstructing them and rebuilding them. And even playing for my own narratives and my own personal like lived experiences and I guess repackaging them and artworks and representing them to audiences how do you keep learning i don't know i think it's a, some of it's like survival based like you have to keep learning or keep evolving or keep growing as a means to like avoid shrinking you know so i think a lot of it's there i think i'm lucky also just to be a curious person so it's it's not really like a labor it's not laborious for me to like research something or to look into things. My personality is more inclined to do that. So for me, I think learning is just, I don't know, just something that I I naturally like to do. I I like to learn, find out more about stuff, do different things than what I was doing previously. So I think I kind of lucked out in that way in terms of personality.
0: And what materials do you use in
1: your work? Um, In the paintings, I use a lot of textiles, fabrics, I use canvas itself as a textile as an additional material onto Canvas. So that's a lot of what's going on in the paintings apart from paint. And there's other materials in these works that I'm referring to as well. But sometimes I just refer to them as like studio debris. And that is like drawings or old paintings. Other kind of like 2D works that, you know, when I was working on and it, it go in the direction I wanted it to. So it's become scrap. So the scrap ends up being used in the paintings quite a lot. When did the titles of the work enter the creative process? Always, I've always been really into titles. I think that's really has to do with like my dad, you know, being a writer and stuff. It's an opportunity to be very theatric and to guide the viewer in a way. And if it's done correctly, it gives them more of like a boundary as to like what the work can be about as opposed to like pointing them too heavily in one direction as opposed to the other. So I think a title is very important. Even the decision to have a work be untitled, I think is equally as important. Yeah. I've always liked titling works. Even when I see some of the stuff that I made when I was a kid, I always like have some kind of title on the back. It's always been a big part of the art making um, process for me.
0: Do you think about your audience when you're creating?
1: I do think about like an audience experience, especially for shows, but I don't think about the audience like so much that I'm making work for them. I'm more just thinking about like what the audience experience would be. Like I'm more anticipating an audience than being concerned with the audience. I mean, I, I want the audience to have a specific kind of experience, but I don't make work to... Not making the work for the audience, if that makes any sense. But I'm aware of what kind of experience I want a viewer to have. And are there concepts that connect the work? Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of like overarching conceptual concerns in the practice. I think femininity, womanhood, is definitely one of the themes that the primary theme that connects all the works. There's also other kind of like identity politics. I idea of like blackness blackness specifically um within contexts of america that dictate a lot of the themes in the work the idea of the existential and also another main theme in the work is um just the significance of a body you know fi- my dedication to figuration is more of an exploration to like what exactly is a body and like how does it function how does it affect one's perspective so that's another like overarching theme in the work
0: do you listen to music while you're
1: working i do sometimes but i also like to listen to just like radio and podcasts i kind of like bounce around but how it is nice to listen to something but sometimes i also can work all day and like have not no nothing at all on it really depends on the day but once i um like I get to the point where I think I'm about to stretch a painting. If there's just something that's like very physical, very active in the studio, I like to put on some like music that has like a lot of like bright, energetic music, like so their disco or like rap, something that, sort of, I guess, get my heart rate going because the stretching the painting, especially the large one, could be a little bit of an athletic task. What
0: overcomes you when you start to
1: work? Well, that's the thing. I think for you to make, for me, it's more of me needing to like clear my mind of everything. So it's not like me take, I'm not taking in a lot of information. It's more like, it's more me kind of clearing my mind almost. I mean, I don't, I don't do this. I wish I did. I I have to, I don't have to focus yet at this point in my life, but we hear people describe the process that they do when they're meditating like you kind of have to just quiet your mind in a way or remove all the information or stop remove thoughts for, for a moment. That's kind of the place I try to get to when I'm starting a piece. So that I'm just kind of working off of like an autopilot or I'm in this place where I'm like really in touch with like a subconscious, my subconscious, or like a general consciousness, I guess. Just trying to kind of really clear my mind. I have a similar experience when I'm driving which I do a lot of as well. But you know, if you're driving or you're the highway, you know, just driving, you're driving, and then maybe it'll be like 10 minutes past and you just have maybe, you've retained one thought, but you don't. You haven't really been aware of like every single second or moment. But it's kind of getting into that that kind of headspace.
0: If you weren't a visual artist, what career do you think you would have chosen?
1: I don't know. I play this game with my siblings sometimes. We also play this these games if, if we weren't raised in New York, what would be? Do but I feel like I would I don't know I kind of feel like I would have gone I would have been like a hairstylist maybe or like an esthetician I feel like I could really I really could have done that and I also was really fat well I still am super fascinated with like plastic surgery I think that maybe I could have been a plastic surgeon I like the idea of, of any kind of like body manipulation I still really fascinated with the figure like thinking about like how can you manipulate the body maybe even like doing tattoos, something that relates to the body and beautifying the body, but also manipulating the body, I think is something that I could have really been into.
0: What are you excited about now? What am I excited about now?
1: (laughs) I think I'm excited about just, I guess something you mentioned earlier, but I don't know, just having some downtime, I think would be great. Just kind of doing nothing, to be honest. A lot of things that I think people would normally associate with excitement has been collapsed a lot into like my work life. So I feel like doing absolutely nothing would be kind of fun for a while and definitely feel very luxurious. I can't say the normal things, like I'm not so excited about traveling. I travel quite a lot. It'd be nice to like stay home, I think. And not so excited about like going out, going to like any kind of party or anything. I have to do that quite often a lot too for work. (laughs) So just being home would be great, doing nothing would be very very exciting. And you have a show, upcoming show, right? Yeah, I do. I have a show um opening in October in London.
0: So you've been working very
1: hard. Yes, I have been. I've been working very very hard towards this exhibition, which I'm definitely excited about. But, you know, the most fun with the show is always making the work. So after that is the other side of things. But yeah i'm very excited to show these new paintings with an audience and kind of see like what the reaction would be and this is will all be happening in october which is pretty i guess a month from now how would you define black art how would i define black art i mean i guess i i suppose it's art that's made by black identifying people (laughs) (laughs) it's the simplest way (laughs) you know
0: And what do you enjoy most about being a visual artist?
1: Oh, yeah, I really enjoy the freedom that it gives gives me, you know. I love having my own studio, and I love just being able to... I love being able to kind of spend the day working, but I'm, I'm working on my own ideas and working towards my own goals, ultimately. I think that's one of the most beautiful parts about it. And it's nice to create things, something very cathartic about creating something, making something, and then it going, it being, you know, it existing, going off in the world, having some kind of, having its own like life outside of you, having this cultural value, it meaning something to other people. Yeah, all of that feels really good, so. I enjoy, those are the things I enjoy most about being a visual artist and also making this object that can have this kind of longevity. That's also really fun.
0: What was it like to work with Performa?
1: I mean, that was a really beautiful experience. It was really difficult too. I mean, I had never done a show like that before. Such an intense amount of planning and organization is needed for the theatrical production or any kind of performance or time-based artwork. And the other thing I realized is that um, I guess for the shorter the duration of a project, the the more the more time and energy you almost get put towards it. So all of that was a really good learning experience. Also working collaboratively with so many different people was a different experience that I've had before, which was really amazing. And it was super edifying as well, just to see what that was like, especially coming out of the pandemic, being around so many people, creative people, and for them to give so much energy, especially the actors. It's nice to be around actors, like artists are somewhat introverted or like mercurial, whereas actors were like pure energy, extroverts, joy, enthusiasm, it's a nice change. (laughs) So it was interesting to be around that group and oh yeah, it's also great to do something outside and the kind of spontaneity of the kind of audience member you can get when you're doing something in the public. And, based, and also like for the public and the real public. Like I thought for the curated art world public, it's like it's in the street. So anyone who happens to be on that street or in that one environment can happen upon it and experience it. So that part was also really great. The music was beautiful. The music was phenomenal. All in all, I just thought it was such a beautiful experience and and I really enjoyed it. I would love to do something like that again in the future.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. It was great. So on that, how has your practice changed over the years?
1: My, well, my practice has changed a lot because because of opportunities like performa, just being willing to experiment different mediums, do things I kind of out of my, you know, something that's not typical for myself or my work, taking risks, That's helped my practice change, but I think I've also changed. Like I started really shy my paintings. I was like 25. I'm just different now than I was then. So I think the work has changed and matured in tandem with myself.
0: I've really enjoyed this episode. It's great. And this is our last question. So what do you feel is the purpose of art as an artist? What's your role?
1: I feel like the role of an artist is to be a truth teller. So even if that truth is an unpopular truth, or even if you feel Exposed or criticized for that truth your your role is to tell the truth because what you're basically doing is creating this record this record that is for posterity like it's going to be here much longer than you much longer than whatever community or culture you're living in in that moment so you really in my opinion have a moral obligation to like tell your real truth so that it can be basically on file for like this human record and time. So you kind of have to just block out all the other noise. You can't make work based on other people's expectations or desires. You can't make work that's rooted in aspiration either. You, You really have to make work that's rooted in reality of things. I think that's the most important thing about being an artist or what an artist is meant to do personally.
0: Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate this interview.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks Podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.